Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Luke, to uh, John 21. John chapter 21. We're continuing, and I'm going to say it in a funny way. We're continuing our study of Luke. We're going to John 21. We're going to do things a little different this morning. We are now at the end of the study of the Gospel of Luke. Next Sunday, we'll complete it. We'll finish it. We need to go this morning to two other Gospels to seek some truths concerning our Savior. We've been going verse by verse, passage by passage through the Gospel of Luke. We've seen that Luke presents Jesus as the perfect man. He is the Savior. He is the Messiah. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. As we study this morning, we continue seeing the resurrection appearances of Jesus. He was arrested, tried, crucified, after three days rose from the grave, conquering death and proving that he indeed is the Messiah and the Savior. For the last several weeks, we have been seeing Jesus as he appeared to his disciples after his resurrection. We saw that he appeared to Mary. Then we saw he appeared to the women. We didn't see it, but we found out that he'd appeared to Peter. Then we saw where he appeared to two on the road to Emmaus. And then last time, we saw the disciples in a room, and he appeared there. Now, this morning, two more appearances, but we're going to have to move to Galilee because everything that we've seen so far was in Jerusalem, and it was on the first day of his resurrection. We're going to move a little further into the, into the future and go into to Galilee. Jesus had told his disciples that he would meet them in Galilee. And so we have to go to the Gospel of John and the Gospel of Matthew to see these two events. As we look this morning, we'll see a commission. What we are to do as those who believe in Jesus Christ as Savior, he has given to us a commission. In fact, we'll look at two areas this morning. One, we're going to see Jesus speaks to Peter. That's in John chapter 21. It's a very famous passage. We're going to just touch on it. In fact, both these passages, we go fairly quickly through them. I just want you to see how they fit together because they're appearances of Christ after his death and resurrection. And then the second thing is we'll look at what is often called the Great Commission and found in Matthew chapter 28. You realize that the Great Commission is found in Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, John 21, and Acts chapter one. So when you talk about the Great Commission, it's really found in five places. But this is the most famous one because most everybody would say Great Commission, Matthew 28. We'll see that this morning because Jesus gives, in his appearance, he gives a commission. So as we look at these two appearances of Christ, we tie together the commission that God has for us. And so may we be encouraged as we study these passages this morning. Well, there are a lot of ways in the Bible that believers are described. We're sometimes called athletes. We're to run the race with endurance. Sometimes we're called the body of Christ. Sometimes we're called branches because he's the vine, we're the branches. Sometimes we're called a temple. He says, what, do you not know your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit? Sometimes we're called the bride of Christ, sometimes saints, sometimes disciples. But there's one other title, I think, which is a, a sort of a famous one as well, and it's the term ambassador. We are representatives of Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians 5, chapter 5, verse 20 says, we're ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech through us. This morning, we're going to look briefly at two passages, giving two more appearances of Jesus Christ after his resurrection. But as we look at these passages, we're reminded of our responsibility, of, of the fact that we're ambassadors and that we're representatives of Christ. We're going to see two things. First, we're going to see where Jesus is speaking to Peter, and he tells Peter to shepherd the flock. That's John chapter 21. And the powerful thing about that is what he tells Peter we can make application in our lives about what had happened in Peter's life and what he wanted Peter to do, and we can see the same thing. The second thing as we'll look at is what we often call the Great Commission, which is found in Matthew 28. There's a number of things there. We'll go very quickly through it, but I just want you to see it. There's a lot to apply, and I pray that we'll be encouraged as we go through that this morning. Well, let's begin. We're seeing the appearances of Christ after his death and resurrection. Died on the cross, was buried, three days later rose again. Acts chapter 1 verse 4 says that he walked on the earth for 40 days. Now, everything we've seen so far was the very first day. 
So as we continue in our study, as we get to chapter 21 of John and chapter 28 of Matthew, and then next time we get into Luke 24 and Acts chapter 1, we're going to see more appearances of Jesus in that 40-day time period. He walked on the earth for 40 days, and then he ascended into heaven. Now, next time, when we, next week, when we look at this, we're going to see the final major thing that Jesus did. We saw that he died on the cross. We saw that he was raised from the grave. The third thing is his ascension back to the Father, and we'll see that next week. So there's some great things there. There's so much for us to apply. Uh, Jesus told his disciples over and over that he would go to Jerusalem, that he'd be killed, crucified, and rise again. For the last several weeks, we've been seeing these things. To Mary, the women, Peter, two on the road, the disciples in the room. Now we're going to move north to Galilee. Now, all this has happened in Jerusalem. Jerusalem's in the southern part of Israel. Galilee is in the northern part of Israel, around the Sea of Galilee. Sometimes it's called the Sea of Kinneret. Sometimes it's called the, the Sea of Tiberias. So, when you look at it in the Bible, if you see Tiberias or Kinneret or Sea of Galilee, it's all the same place. This morning, we're going to see that. Let me break down the passage for you. First of all, we're going to go to chapter 21 of John, where Jesus encourages Peter. And we'll see what he says to Peter and what, how we can apply it. Then we'll see the Great Commission as it goes to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We'll see the authority, the commission, and the comfort. And we'll see how that all ties together. There's a lot there. Let's begin in John chapter 21. So go ahead and turn over there if you hadn't already turned. John 21. Jesus appears to a number of his disciples. In fact, we're going to find six of them together. They're at the Sea of Galilee. The goal that we're going to see from this, why would Jesus appear here? What does he do? It's to encourage Peter and to give him some instructions. We can make application from this. Now, look at chapter 21, verse 1. After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. That's the Sea of Galilee. And he manifested himself in this way. And it says, after these things, Jesus appeared again. Now, the first question we'd say is, what things? Well, after what things? Well, if you study the Gospel of John and all this, it's where Jesus had appeared to them over different times and in different ways. He's, he's done this, he, and now he's going to appear to them at the Sea of Galilee to encourage Peter. Now, Jesus, uh, he says, after this time, he manifested himself again at the Sea of Galilee. They were supposed to go. Now, let me tell you, when you study the Gospel of Matthew, which we're going to see in a minute, they were supposed to go to a mountain in Galilee. It says here they're at the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias. There's a good possibility that the mountain that we also often call the Mount of Transfiguration or, the, or there's a mount also where they had the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Many believe that the Sermon on the Mount was not like a mountain mountain like you think about, but a long sloping hill that came all the way down right to the edge of the Sea of Galilee. Well, I went to Israel in 1976, and they took us to a place that they said, this is where everybody believes the Sermon on the Mount was, and it was like a big, long sloping hill. And so if you went all the way down the side of the hill, you'd come right to the edge of the Sea of Galilee. This may be where they are, because he had designated to them that they would go to a mountain. It says that after these things, Jesus manifested himself to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and he manifested himself in this way. Let's see what's going to happen. Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee and the two sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples were together. Now, notice who's there. There's Simon and then Thomas, and it says called Didymus. You know what Didymus means? It means twin. He obviously had a twin brother or twin sister. And so he says, so here's Simon Peter and Thomas and Nathaniel, who was from Cana of Galilee, and the two sons of Zebedee, which is James and John, and two others of disciples were there. So there's about six of them together, and they're at the sea of, basically around the Sea of Galilee. It said this, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, 
we'll also come with you. And so they got into the boat, and they all went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. And most of the time when the fishermen fished, they fished in the nighttime. That was the best time to catch the fish. That's when early in the morning they would get up, they would take their, their catch, they'd come to the shore, they'd wash their nets, they'd take care of the fish, and then they'd go sell them. And they caught the fish at night. It says they caught, that night they got out to fish, but they caught nothing. Now, notice what happens. But when the day was now breaking, verse 4, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Now, they're out there fishing, and they look, and it's now getting daybreak, and you can see, and there's, there's a man standing on the shore. They don't know who it is. There's Jesus. He's appeared again. And he's going to talk to them about something. And uh, he uh, realized that, uh, remember, he's going to say something to them. Notice what he says in verse 5. Children said to them, uh, Jesus said to them, Children, you don't have any fish, do you? And they answered, No. Now, I want you to understand something. When he asked the question, he knew the answer. He said, You don't have any fish, do you? And they, they could think, How does this guy know we didn't catch anything? I mean, how does he know? How does he know we didn't catch anything? Who is this guy? Well, of course, they say, No. And so he says, cast your nets on the right side of the boat. Now, if you remember, when we started the Gospel of Luke, there was a time at the very beginning when Jesus went out and he had not picked Peter and James and John. He had not picked them yet. And they were fishing. And he said to them, have you caught anything? And they went, no, we had a, had a bad night. And he said, well, go ahead and cast it over to the right. And Peter actually said to him then, well... We've caught nothing, but if you ask us to do it, we'll do it. Well, they caught so many fish that the boat started to sink, and they had to come get people coming over. This is the same event. I mean, same thing. He's going to do the same thing again. They're sitting in the boat. He said, you caught anything? And they went, no. He said, cast over to the right. That sounds familiar to them. So they cast over to the right, and it said they got such a large number, they were not able to haul it in. What do they think automatically? They go, it's him. It's him. Verse 7, Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, It is the Lord. He says, It's him. You know what they did? Peter jumped out of the, jumped out of the boat and swam to the shore. He wanted to get there so fast, he wasn't going to wait for the boat to get there because they had these fish to have to pull in and make it to the shore. He just jumped out, swam to the shore, got there. By the time he got there, then the boat got there and they took the fish out. But I want you to see what happened when they got there. Notice verse 9. When they got on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already laid and fish placed on it and bread. Where do you think he got the fish and the bread? Does that sound familiar too? I mean, they get there and all of a sudden he's got a fire going and there's fish and bread. They know exactly who it is. In fact, look at verse 12. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. They were afraid to ask him. I mean, they knew it was the Lord, and they were afraid to say, "You, you, it's you, isn't it? It's you, and, and it is him. But they were sort of afraid to say it. And we're going to see something unique. We need to understand what's going on. He's going to talk to Peter. In fact, in verses 15, 16, and 17, that's what we're going to look at. He speaks only to Peter at this time. Now, there's five other guys there. But he only speaks to Peter, and there's a reason for that. Understand that Peter had denied Jesus three times. You remember that? When he was out, Jesus was being tried in the room in the house. He was out there, and a girl comes up to him and said, Hey, uh, you were with him. And he went, I don't, I don't know him. And then a little bit later, another person said something to him like, Hey, you were with him. And he goes, No, I don't know him. And then even a little bit later, somebody came up and said, You were with him because you got that accent. We saw you were there. And he even 
swore, I do not know the man. He publicly denied Jesus three times. Now let me ask you something. How do you think Peter felt about that? You remember in the Gospel of Luke when the third time he denied Christ, it said that Jesus looked over at him. It was obviously where Jesus could hear this, and Jesus looked over at him. And Peter saw Jesus looking at him where he just denied him the third time. How would you feel about that? How would you feel if you had been with Jesus and you said to people, I will not deny him and I'll stand. And Jesus said, everybody's going to run off. And he said, oh, I don't care if everybody else, if everybody else runs off, I will never run off. And there you deny him. How do you feel about all this? You probably think this. Jesus never, he's never going to use me again. Because, I mean, I blew it. I blew it big time. I didn't blow it, I didn't blow it a little time. I blew it big time. He'll never use me again. There's some of you in this room that you've blown it. You, some of you blown it little, some of you blown it big. You've blown it. I've blown it. We've all blown it. And sometimes we say, we blew it. He's never going to really use us again because we blew it. We blew it this morning. We blew it yesterday. And we say, he, he, he really never going to use us in the way that he might have used us. Because we just, we blew it. You think that's true? I want you to know something. He will always use you for His glory. He will use you as long as you want to be used. And as long as you are alive on this earth, He will use you for His glory if you want Him to. It's never too late. Watch what happens with Peter. You remember he denied Jesus three times? Look at this. There was public denial. Now we're going to see public restoration. Watch what happens. Verse 15. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. Now I want you to see this. There are going to be three times that Jesus says, do you love me? And he wants him to answer back three times. Because he denied him three times publicly, he wants him to be restored, be restored three times publicly. And so the first question he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, first of all, we're going to talk about the word love in just a second. But he said, do you love me more than these? These what? We weren't there. We couldn't see if Jesus said, do you love me more than these? And he's pointing to the fish and saying, do you love me more than fishing? See, some people say that Peter went back fishing because he had quit. I don't think so. Peter's already seen the risen Lord. I think Peter was fishing while he was waiting for Jesus to come. He said, hey, Peter, do you love me more than these? Or could he be saying, do you love me more than these? And he's pointing out the rest of the guys. Because Peter had one time said, if everybody else falls away, I'll never fall away. Jesus said, do you love me more than all this? And, of course, Peter says, Lord, you, you know that I love you. Now, in English you can't tell this, but in Greek there, there are at least four different words for love. There's two that are famous in the New Testament. One is agape. or Agapao is the verb. Agape is the noun. It means love. And it's, it's usually the word used of God's love for us. It's an unconditional love. There's another word, phileo which is usually a, a little bit weaker. Sometimes people call it brotherly love. It's not quite as strong a word. In this passage... Jesus said to him, 
Simon, son of Jonah, son of John, do you love me more than these? He uses agape. He uses the strong word. He said, do you love me more than these? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But he uses phileo. He uses the weaker word. Why? Some say it's nothing. It's just John. He just just interchanged the words because he wanted to do that. But some also believe that it's Peter saying, I, I love you, but I know it's not like you love me. Isn't that true? Wouldn't you say that? Would you say to God right now, would you say to Jesus, I love you, but I know I don't love you the way you love me. I mean, you love me with an ever, unconditional, everlasting love. You died for me. You, you know, have you done everything for me? Wouldn't we all say that, that God loves us more than we love him? Is that what Peter's trying to say? We don't know. Jesus said, do you love me? He went, you know I love you. But look what Jesus tells him to do. Tend my lambs. And that literally means literally feed my little sheep, feed my little lambs. He's saying take care of the sheep. Feed the sheep, take care of the flock. He's telling Peter that he has the responsibility to help people grow. See, Peter, it's not over with. Just because you blew it doesn't mean it's over. You love me? Yeah, I love you. Okay, then you do what I have for you to do. Feed my lambs. Tend my my sheep. Take care of my little ones. See, Peter is to help others grow. He's been given that responsibility. He is to take care of the flock. The truth is, we all have the same thing. We're all to help each other grow. We're to use the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given us to help each other grow. That's why in this room, you may say, I've blown it. God would never use me. Yes, He will. As long as you want to be used, and as long as He's got you on this earth, it doesn't matter your past. Confess your sin, He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. It is never too late. And you know what your responsibility is? Take care of the sheep. Take care of each other. Help each other grow. Be there for each other. Ephesians 4.12, equip the saints to do the work of the ministry so the body can be built up. We do that. So he says, Peter, take care of the sheep. That's the first time. Look at there, verse 16. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, okay, shepherd my sheep. He said to him a second time, do you love me? And he uses agape again. Jesus says, do you agape love me? And guess what? Peter says, I, I phileo love you, not the strong word. He's saying, I mean, I love you, Lord, but I know I don't love you like you love me. We can always say that. Jesus says, you love me? Okay, here's what I want you to do. Notice what he says. Shepherd my sheep. Now, this word is even more encompassing because it has the idea of leading and feeding and taking care of. Shepherd the flock. Peter has that responsibility to shepherd the flock. Guess what? We all have the responsibility to shepherd the flock. Now, you know that a pastor's role, when you think about the pastor, and the Bible talks about the pastor is to you know, shepherd the flock. But all of us have to take care of each other. All of us are growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ. All of us use our gifts, talents, and abilities to help each other. We're all here to tend each other and shepherd each other. That's the plan. And it's never too late. It's never too late. It doesn't matter your past. This is when you start. And this is when you say... Forgetting the things that are behind and pressing on to the things that are ahead. I press toward the goal of the upward call of the prize in Christ Jesus. You want to live for Jesus Christ. He says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Okay, shepherd the sheep. Take care of them. Do what you're supposed to do. 
Look at there, a third time. Verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Now, the third time is really unique. We see here this is the third, three times of denials, three times of restoration. And he says, Jesus says, do you love me? Guess what word Jesus used there? Jesus used phileo, not agape. He moves it down to Peter's level. And Peter says, you know I love you. I phileo love you. And then you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then take care of the sheep. Tend my sheep. That's the third time he says it. Three public denials, three public restorations, and every time he gives him something to do. Help them grow. Peter has a responsibility. No matter how many times you or I have failed, every one of us in this room fail. We fall short of God's glory. We don't make it. You may have failed on the way to church this morning. You may have thought the wrong thing. You may have said the wrong thing. You may have done the wrong thing. You may have done something wrong last night. You may have done something wrong last week. You may do something wrong this afternoon. It is never too late to confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you, and He will use you for His glory. Because if you look at our lives, we'd all say, none of us deserve to get to serve the living God. That's true. But He, didn't use, he doesn't use us because we deserve it. He uses us because of His grace. And He says, I'm going to take you I'm going to use you for my glory. Peter, take care of the sheep. Peter could say, but I blew it, I blew it, I blew it. He said, but you love me, you love me, you love me. Take care of my sheep. Take care of his sheep. That's our plan, to help each other grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. Peter's allowed, Jesus has allowed Peter to express his love three times because he denied him three times. It's never too late for us to serve God. We have failed, but that don't let past failures stop us from serving now. The plan is to use your gifts, your talents, your abilities to touch lives for Jesus Christ. That's our commission. Now there's more, and I want you to see one of the things. So just hold your, well, you don't have to hold your place. Just turn over to Matthew chapter 28. These are the verses that we read. I just want you to see something very quickly. It's called the Great Commission. We'll go through it very fast because it's the commission. It all ties together. You have a commission. That is to feed the sheep, tend the sheep, take care of the flock. You have a commission to build each other up and to help, uh, help each other grow. That's our plan. Well, there's, there's more to it. And we go over to Matthew 28. And in Matthew 28, they're at a mountain that Jesus designated. It may be a totally different time. In fact, it probably is because there's only six guys in John 21, but there's the 11 in Matthew 28. So it's probably a different time. Maybe the same place, but a different time. We have what we call the Great Commission. Matthew 28. Look at this. The Great Commission has three parts to it. We're going to see the authority, the commission, and the comfort. And we'll see it as we go through it. Matthew 28. All these truths are there that we can make application in our lives even now. Look at verse 16. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated. We don't know where it is. It may be where he did the Sermon on the Mount. We just don't know. It's the mountain he designated. But notice this. First of all, in verse 18, we see the authority. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus is the one who said, All authority is given to him. It's not some authority, it's all authority. When we seek to fulfill the Great Commission, when we 
seek to go out of this community and touch lives for Jesus Christ and tell people about Christ and help people grow. We do not go in our authority. We go in His authority. He, ha- he has all authority. It's given to Him in heaven and on earth, not just a part of this world, but the whole creation. He's the sovereign creator and sustainer of all things. As ambassadors for Christ, we are not going out in our authority. We are going out in His authority. When you leave this place, you do not represent countryside. You do not represent a denomination. You do not represent yourself. You represent Jesus Christ, and He is the authority in your life. He is the one that tells you to go do this, and He is all, has all authority in heaven and on earth. That's who you represent. That's who you live for. That's what you try to do. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So that's the first aspect. We're ambassadors for Christ, representing Him. Now we see the commission. The commission is found in verses 19 and 20. And the commission is very simply put to make disciples. In fact, let me read it. It says, Go ye therefore and make disciples. Notice, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to serve all which I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The commission. In that little section, there's only one command. And it is to make disciples. It literally in the Greek says, as you are going, as you are baptizing, as you are teaching, make disciples. That's that three-phase aspect. And so you have to understand this, making disciples as we're going out where they are, as we're leading to the Christ and identifying them with Christ. That's what baptism is. Then as we are teaching them the truths. We have the great privilege, and we leave this place. We go into this community with the good news message of Jesus Christ. And we go where they are, because they're not coming here. We go where they are, and we lead them to Christ, we identify them with Christ, and then we bring them into the local body, and we teach them and train them. That's the plan. In fact, the whole thing of the Great Commission is twofold. It is making disciples, is evangelism and training. That's what it is. Leading people to Christ, going where they are, leading them to Christ, and then training them and equipping them. As we go, as we baptize, that's the evangelism. As we teach, that's the training. We are to make disciples, leading people to Christ and then teaching them. This is our commission. And it's not just for me. It's for every one of us in this room. We have the commission. We all know Jesus Christ is Savior. He says, you love me? Do what I have for you to do. Make disciples. Go where they are. Lead them to Christ. Identify them with Christ. Bring them into the body. Train them and teach them so they can do the same thing. That's the plan. We've seen that we go in Christ's authority. We make disciples. That's going, baptizing, and teaching. There's one other aspect in the passage, and that's the comfort. He's with us. Notice. Teach him observe, verses verse 20. Teach him observe all which I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He is with us. We are not going by ourselves. We have the comfort that when we leave this place, whether you're going by yourself or with a couple of people, it doesn't matter. Jesus Christ is always with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. What should you, friend, what should you fear? He is there with you. We go in His authority. We are not going by ourselves. We're going in His power, and He is with us. What comfort to know that the living God is sending you out. That's who sends you out. That's who goes with you. We want to be faithful to fulfill the commission that God has given to us. We go in His authority, making disciples, knowing that the comfort is that we have our Savior with us. We've seen Jesus appears giving the commission To Peter, and then later to the eleven in Galilee. And it's powerful. Next time, 
When we come back, we're going to go back to Luke, and we're going to see Jesus go out of the city. And he goes to a little town called Bethany, which is on the top of the Mount of Olives. And he talks to them, and he gives them one final commission. We'll see it in Luke 24, and we'll see it in Acts chapter 1. And then right before their eyes, he lifts off the ground and ascends into heaven. And they all do this. And an angel appears and says, what are you all doing looking up there? Get back into the city and wait for the power of the Holy Spirit so you can be his witnesses. We'll see that next week. It's powerful stuff. We've seen two more resurrection appearances of Jesus. Peter declared his love for Christ and Jesus tells him to take care of the sheep. Fulfill the responsibility. We saw Jesus in Galilee and he gives the great commission to the eleven it's in Christ's authority that we make disciples knowing that he is with us. Now, let me give you some applications. and We'll go quickly, but listen to this. The first one is this. Let's fulfill our commission. God has set us apart. This is for every one of us in this room. We have the commission. We are his representatives. We have been given a commission. A, remember that Jesus is the authority. We're not going out in our authority. We go out, we're not going out in our power. We're going out in his authority and power. He, all the authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. So we don't represent ourselves. We don't represent our church. We don't represent a denomination. We represent Jesus Christ. B, let's make disciples. That's evangelism and training. As we are going, as we are baptizing, that's evangelism. As we are teaching, that's the training. That's what making disciples is, evangelism and training. We lead people to Christ, identify them with Christ, and then train them to shepherd the sheep, to take care of each other, to build each other up, to equip each other. That's what we have to do. And the third thing with this is realize that we have the comfort that Jesus Christ is with us. We are not alone. He is our strength and our shield. Every one of us in this room, we have this responsibility. When Jesus told Peter, take care of the sheep. When Jesus told the eleven that I want you to make disciples, that's what we're supposed to do. Now, with that in mind, realize it's never too late to serve him. We all mess up. He wants us to serve Him. He wants us to be ambassadors. He wants us to be representatives. Listen, we all fail. Every one of us in this room fail. If we go by, though, if we say all those who haven't failed get to serve Him, nobody serves Him. Think how Peter felt. He said, I three times in front of people, and even in front of Jesus, I denied Him. How could He ever use me again? And Jesus said, you love me? Yes, then you do what I have for you to do. You love him? Then do what he has for you to do. We all fail. Deal with our sin. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Forsake it. Go on with our lives and realize, see, that we are ambassadors for Christ. Now, that's who we are. We're to represent him in this community. We're in ministry. We represent Jesus Christ now. Begin today to see your life as a representative of Jesus Christ. As Christ ambassadors. May we fulfill our commission to make disciples going in Christ's authority with the comfort of, that He's with us, sharing our faith and shepherding the sheep. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for these great truths. Lord, we, we thank you that you've allowed us to have a commission 
that Jesus is the authority. He's the all authority in heaven and earth. He sends us out to make disciples. And that's as we go and as we lead people to Christ, as we teach them and train them. Lord, we realize that we can have the comfort that you go with us. We're not alone. Thank you, Lord, for that privilege. And Lord, realize that we realize that it's never too late to serve you because we all fail. We've all come short of the glory of God. We look at the life of Peter and we think, well, Peter, Peter thinks he'll never be used again. But you want to use him and you want to use us. And Lord, may we deal with our sin and realize that right now we are ambassadors for you. May we live for our Savior, Jesus Christ, bringing honor and glory to Him in everything that we do. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.